It's been flaunted in pop culture for generations. Everybody must get stoned. Bob Dylan crooned about it. Peter Tosh told us what to do about it. Hip hop glamorized it. Heck, even Miley Cyrus is doing it. Then there's the cannabis classics, Up in Smoke. Dazed and Confused. Say, man, you got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. <laughs> and just about anything from our good old Canadian boy, Seth Rogen. Right. If marijuana is not legal within the next five years, I have no faith left in humanity, period. Everyone likes smoking weed. They have for thousands. Now that the recreational use of weed is becoming a normalized part of our society, we have to remember it's not all just the token and joke we get from movies or the chill lifestyle we get from music. Cannabis can be a psychoactive substance. If you smoke it, vape it, or eat it, you're going to get high. We're already starting to learn so much more about this plant, from the medical benefits to the psychological effects. Research now shows that smoking pot before the age of 25 can be damaging to the developing brain. I bet some of us are wishing we knew that in high school. There are also concerns surrounding cannabis use and mental health. Of all the drugs that, that people use, none of them are safe, 100% safe. Marijuana is not a safe drug. You will possibly have a problem. I'm City News reporter Shauna Hunt, and on this episode of The Legal Podcast, we're going to tone it down just a bit. I know that we've been exploring the culture, history, and activism, and all the fun things surrounding the legalization of cannabis. But we can't ignore that marijuana also comes with some serious warnings, and for some, it can be dangerous. I met up with Dennis Long at his addiction treatment center on the west side of the downtown core. I help people uh, come up with the idea for this place and then they hire Oh, well, that's pretty good. There you go. For 30 years now, Dennis has focused on harm reduction and community outreach in this neighborhood. My first question to him about weed was something that was drilled into my teenage psyche many moons ago. Growing up, I was always told that marijuana was the gateway drug. Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts on that? That's 99.9% .9 a myth. There's no research evidence that indicates that marijuana is any more of a gateway drug than anything else. The whole concept of a gateway drug is probably significantly flawed. What we see is people who get themselves into trouble with whatever drug they're going to get into trouble with, and you can get in trouble with pretty much any drug. We'll generally move through that in whatever way, but some people will never smoke any marijuana and be using opiates and vice versa. There's no really clear causality, but you know, if you, if you at 16 start smoking up a lot, then you're going to end up as a heroin addict on the street corner. None whatsoever. Most people will stay right where they are. Some people will continue. Some people will stop. There's no kind of causality there. Okay. I'm wondering where that started from. I think maybe marijuana was easier to get your hands on as a teenager, and it does have that psychoactive component. And if you like maybe getting high, maybe you'd be looser mm -hmm. as to trying. Well, I think, things. you know, I think there was a whole bunch of factors that goes into that kind of thinking. Our society is leery of psychoactive substances that have a more powerful effect than, for example, alcohol or tobacco. 
which is normative in our society. We know what that is. We're comfortable with it. And in the early days of people using marijuana, there was an awful lot of scare tactics that went on. You know, people were, you know, if you've ever had an opportunity to see, there's a little film called Reefer Madness and a couple of others. And everybody was saying, it's this evil drug. It's going to turn you into a maniac and it's going to do all these things and morally corrupt people and all that kind of stuff. It was all about entirely untrue entirely untrue and probably to a certain extent based in um, kind of a racial approach to this is a drug that other people who aren't colored like us use. Mm -hmm. Um, So we ended up with that kind of paranoia around the drug. And then, you know, people said, oh, well, you start with this, then you're going to make it into a harder stuff. Not true. And as you look at the kind of spectrum of marijuana and its effects, it is not safe. And I, I don't want to, anybody to walk away from this conversation saying, well, he says it's safe. It, it isn't safe. And there's a potential there for dependency. There's a potential for a number of different things to happen. But the chances of that happening are the same with a lot of other drugs and probably less so than some. Right. Okay. And I did want to move into addiction. Um, There seems to be conflicting information. If you speak to regular cannabis users, they're going to say it's not addictive. But I've heard of psychological addiction Mm -hmm. with cannabis use. Mm -hmm. I've heard of even physical, if used over a a long, long period of time. And I've even read about mild withdrawal symptoms if it's... There's truth in all of that and not truth in, 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 you know, it's not all the truth. You can become addicted to marijuana, clearly. Um, and I think people need to get their heads around that. But it is not the classic kinds of addiction that you might get with, for example, heroin or something else where there's a rather dramatic and difficult withdrawal symptom. And one of the factors that we look at when we try to determine how addictive a substance is, and I'm being very careful about this, is you look at how quickly do you feel the effects and how quickly the effects go away. So, for example, if you're a smoker and you smoke a cigarette, um, you'll get the effect relatively rapidly. It will peak within an hour or so and then drop off rather rapidly within like an hour and a half to two hours. Then you want to want to have another cigarette. And the same thing with opiates and same thing with other drugs like that. Marijuana is relatively slow onset of effects and relatively slow fall away of effects. So you smoke a joint, you get stoned, you're stoned for a couple hours, but then you ease down. Like the come down is very different than an opioid or heroin. So that means it's a relatively low addiction potential drug, if you want to see it that way. The problem that we have, and it's the same, I think, for a lot of drugs, why are you using it and what what are the effects you're seeking? And, you know, if you're just having fun on Friday night, probably a very low chance of becoming addicted. But if you, uh, if you are using it to counter, for example, anxiety or social phobia or any kind of other thing, and that's strong enough to make you want to continually use it on a regular, regular basis, even daily basis, then the potential there is for a psychological addiction. You won't have that kind of physiological addiction where I'm going to get sick if I stop this. The withdrawal from even relatively heavy marijuana use is also relatively mild compared with other drugs. The dependency is a little bit more difficult to determine. You really have to take a look 
at the behavior patterns of the individual and why they're doing what they're doing. You know, it's, it's easier with, with drugs with a very pronounced withdrawal syndrome. Yeah, okay, you're using, you have a dependency. If you stop, you're going to get sick. So you're talking like dope sick or... Yeah. Because you don't get that with, with marijuana. You come down, you yeah. kind of get back to normal. Pretty much. So you're not... No. And like I said, you know, the incidence of people who have a dependency is probably higher than people think, but lower than what a lot of other people are are saying. So it's not unusual for people to have a dependency, but still function very well. Well, I mean, we see that with alcohol. There's uh, what, what, what do we call them? The functioning alcoholic? Yeah, I mean, functional for so long. alcoholics are common. There are people who, um, for whatever reason, drink very high levels of volume, but who um, function relatively well. They get up and go to work in they the morning. They get up and go to work and they do okay and they come home and get drunk or they come home and drink a whole lot or they drink continually through the day, but lower levels than would be a obvious intoxication. That's not an uncommon thing and we see that all the time. But when, with marijuana use, again, it's a little bit more subtle. But what you'd be looking for, if, we're in a, if we have somebody coming in here and, and, and saying that they're struggling with their marijuana use, what we'd be looking is a pattern of use. How do you use? Do you get up in the morning and smoke a joint first thing? And then pace your joints through the day in order not to, you know, you know, start to experience the negative consequences that you're you're trying to think. For example, anxiety or whatever. And it's complicated again by the fact that um, in some instances, marijuana is used quite deliberately as a medicine. And you know, we're still examining all of that and trying to figure that out. I mean, high CBD marijuana is often prescribed for things like anxiety and other kinds of things, but you don't get whole whacked out stoned on it. So how does that fit into the picture? It's similar to a certain extent in that uh, many of the opioids that we were struggling with in the community are also valuable medicines for pain control and so on. So how do we figure that out? Right. A lot of unknowns right now. And oh, exactly. A lot of things yeah. that we're going to learn in the coming years. Um, can marijuana be used to help people get off of opioids or heroin? I have not seen to date any literature that would say that, you know, a way to get people to stop using opioids, for example, is to encourage them to smoke dope. But the research evidence now, particularly in states that have legalized it, seems to indicate that we see a, a significant drop in overdose deaths and we see a significant drop in reported heroin addiction and so on. At this point, it's only, coral, it's only a correlation. I don't know what kinds of decisions are being made by individuals, whether they're saying, okay, well, I'll get high on marijuana rather than getting high on op uh, opioids. I don't know, but that's encouraging to a certain extent. And when we go, when we circle back to looking at why we legalize this substance, maybe that's another thing to take into account. Right. Uh, just on the medicinal side of things, it, um, I've heard people say who are using um, CBD oils and stuff mm -hmm. for pain, they prefer that over the opioids that would otherwise be prescribed. Yeah, um, I've heard that too. Just saying I don't want to take yeah, these yeah. Percocets when I could maybe just take the CBD oil instead. Well, and, and the, the fact is that um, opioids are, are, are a very significant double-edged sword. If you take an opioid for long enough, you will develop an opioid dependence. That's, almost, that's a fact. Almost inevitably. And so your, your withdrawal from that drug needs to be managed carefully. So mm -hmm. let's say that you, you have chronic pain and somebody puts you on Percocets or whatever, and you stay on that for a matter of months or even years, if 
you want to move to some other way of controlling your pain or whatever, then that needs to happen in a deliberate way. And somebody medically has to manage you out of that. It's easy to, it's relatively easy to do, but you don't just stop and say, okay, I'm done with this and uh, right. off you go. Cause you right. get sick. So you need to be tapered off. Right. I took Percocets once after a surgery and it actually scared me. Yeah. Cause it, you get really high and I, yeah, you do see and, how addictive <laughs> they are. Very addicted. Yeah, I remember the you know somebody I know who had a baby and said the best thing about having a baby was Demerol. No, um, <laughs> and so I don't know about that, but they are very attractive drugs for people using, and it makes you feel very good. But it is really dangerous uh, substances to use, and we're now seeing more and more of the effects of overprescription of of opioids, and you know which to a large extent has fueled the kind of overdose crisis that we're currently experiencing. And I think we have to be really careful about that. If CBD is as effective for people in in terms of pain management, that's fabulous because, um, you know, one group of people that are quite concerned about the opioids and the opioid crisis has been people with chronic pain. Mm -hmm. And they come to a lot of meetings I come to, and they're very concerned about over control because they're thinking, well, this is what makes us able to function on a daily basis. We need to keep having this. So, you know, but we're trying to control the overuse of them. So it's a problem. It is a problem. Okay. So I did a Facebook live for City TV. I basically hit the streets and I spent an hour talking to people about legalization. And um, everyone I talked to, almost everyone I talked to, and I was surprised by this, they had concerns and questions about cannabis use Mm -hmm. and mental health. Yeah. I just want to read you this. This is a warning package that came um, on a package of pot that was Mm -hmm. purchased from the Ontario Cannabis Store. It's part of federal regulations. And this is, um, I guess, directed to adolescents. It says early and regular use increases the risk of psychosis and schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. It's true. Uh, But I think you have to take a step back from that statistic a little bit. Um, One of the things we know is those diseases, schizophrenia in particular, um, and there are a whole bunch of different forms of schizophrenia, but the usual onset time for that in somebody's life is late adolescence, early adulthood. So between roughly 18 through to mid-20s. It's rare to get schizophrenia as a child also rare to get late onset schizophrenia. So that's when it's going to hit most. Those are also the people who use more marijuana than pretty much anybody else in the population, with the exception possibly of aging hippies in the boomer generation. But it's clear that there's a correlation. But the other question is, well, what is happening here? One of the things we don't know a whole lot about schizophrenia is the what's called the prodromal stage of, of schizophrenia is what happens prior to a first psychotic break. There seems to be some evidence that people are starting to feel symptoms that are disturbing before they actually have a full outbreak or a psychosis. Um, one theory is that sometimes people are using marijuana to mute those symptoms, and that might be part of that. It may... Be a partial explanation? I don't know. Um, we don't really understand what causes schizophrenia. Um, it would be simplistic to say, well, smoking a lot of dope and you're going to get schizophrenia. Do you need to be... I don't believe that to be true. It needs to sort of be a family history and... and well, yeah. I mean, it's like everything else. There's a, there's a genetic component. Genetics. If you If you have a family with um, serious mental illness in multiple generations, your chances are significantly higher than if you don't. But that doesn't necessarily isolate you. It's like, you know, like cancer. You don't have any history of cancer in your family, but you may get it. 
But then there's other factors that we don't entirely understand. But you're saying it can bring on some of the symptoms. If you have it, it can maybe bring on What I'm saying is there's a strong correlation between regular dope users and um, onset of schizophrenia. But those are confounded by the fact that that's a high-risk population for onset of schizophrenia and a high-risk population for regular dope use. So... You know, I mean, going out and finding somebody who uh, smokes as much as as people in that age bracket is hard. Again, are these things that we're going to learn now that we can really research what's going on and get that information? How important is that? Well, I think it's fundamentally important. I think it's really, um, you know, one of the real advantages of this legalization move is that now we can actually, without fetters, begin to study it. We've been studying alcohol for years and we know an awful lot about alcohol. But we have not been studying marijuana because it's been very, very difficult. You know, if I want to set up a research project and get people to smoke dope for me, uh, prior to this, that was all kinds of hurdles to jump over to make that happen. Now it's likely to be less so. This puts the nail in the coffin and makes it much easier. Right. Okay. What about things like depression and cannabis use? Two big mental illnesses that we deal with in Canada are depression and anxiety. Right. They are like way more common than almost anything else. So some people are reporting that using marijuana helps with their marijuana, with their depression, sorry. And some people are indicating, and slightly more people, I think, actually, are indicating that they use it for anxiety control. What we don't know right now is, would those people be better off using high CBD um, Like the medicinal marijuana? products. Yeah. Or, or do they need the THC component? There seems to be some evidence that high CBD would work. And that probably bit more functional for people because, you, you know, if you've got a job and you have other things that you have to do, you don't want to be stoned all day. So if you can use something that uh, is unlikely to get you really high and manages your anxiety and manages your depression, then that's where people will go. Okay. Now, one thing that we have really been hearing a lot about leading up to legalization, and um, I guess some studies are, are showing this, that we're learning a lot more about the impact and negative effects cannabis has on the developing brain. Yeah. So they're saying don't even try it until you're 25 and up, even though legally you can. Mm-hmm. Just does this explain a lot to you? I, you know, I mean, based on your business, or <laughs> I don't, wish we knew this. Well, many I, you years know, ago. I mean, I, I I'm waiting to find out a little bit more about this. There seems to be good research evidence that shows that there is some issue around, um, you know, how, how your brain develops and high level use of marijuana. What we have to understand, I think, is that now the drug is legal, there's likely to be a slight elevation in the number of people using marijuana uh, initially. That will probably decline as the novelty factor wears off. But we've never had any problems. Nobody in, in Ontario or in Canada, for that matter, has ever had any problems accessing marijuana. I mean, it, 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 it floated around my high school. That wasn't, you could get pot on your lunch hour. Yeah. I remember when my daughter was in, in high school uh, and I was doing, I was in this business and I said, well, how easy is it for you to get dope? And she said, classes are in session or, or after. And I said, well, after she said, you know, probably a minute wow. and you, you find a connection. And, and the same thing in, in adult populations, I, you know, of all my friends, everybody knows how to uh, connection even before legalization. I don't think that it's any more available or less available. The only thing that's changed is the legal status of the drug. And we have to be careful to figure whether or not that's actually going to increase use or not. My personal opinion is 
maybe marginally, but not much. Do you think it will be harder for teenagers to get their hands on it? I guess it all depends no. on the black market. You don't no, think so? No, I don't think so. One of the things I do as part of my work is I, I teach at a community college and I've asked students. Do you survey your students? I do. Okay. Well, I mean, verbally. Right, right. But, you know, I've asked students, you know, how many people here waited until they were, you know, of legal age to drink? I never get any hands. I, I never get any hands. I don't know anyone who has. Yeah. So, I mean, if we take a, that analogy and place it on, on marijuana, um, okay, the government says you can't smoke dope until you're 19. Uh, I don't think that's going to have any effect whatsoever, frankly. Okay. So uh, tell me a little bit about you then. I guess I don't know much of your backstory. <laughs> when I came here, I mean, so you're executive Dr. director. Uh, yeah. Executive director of Breakaway Addiction Services. And how did this become your field? <laughs> Oh, You've I, been here 30 years, you said. I've been here 30 years, yeah. I mean, I I got into this business um, because at one point I, I got a job working for um, the Addiction Research Foundation, which is now part of CAMH. And at that time, they hired me to teach in their what was called the School for Addiction Studies. And I had never really spent much time thinking about substances and addiction, and I became fascinated with the field. I still am. If it can sustain my attention for 30 years, I think there's something there that, that I think is important. I, you know, it's a fundamentally important issue for us as a society, how we deal with, with substances. Mm -hmm. And we've been, not to say, not to put too fine a point about it, but we've really screwed this up in serious ways over the years. This drug you can't do, and we'll throw you in jail if you do it. And this drug, that's fine. Um, and often those are inversely compared to the damage the drug does. Tobacco kills thousands and thousands of people a year. Alcohol as well. Even if you don't count in like fatal accidents and stuff like that, it does. The cost for alcohol um, damage in this province, I remember several years ago, was something in the neighborhood of $9 billion wow. a year. But you know the cost for opiate addiction, which everybody freaks out about, is, is minuscule compared with that. Minuscule compared with that. Yeah, a lot of people die. But largely people die um, because of addiction to opiates because of the criminality of the drug, not the drug itself. And this is the kind of craziness that I think we have to really step back and take a look at is we need to look at the harms that a drug does and how we ameliorate the harms rather than trying to eliminate drugs. That's just never going to happen. That's what I found fascinating in the field. So just someone with your expertise, what is something you want people to know now that cannabis is in the coming years will be normalized in our society? Yeah, which I don't think is a bad thing, just at the top. But I think the message that people need to hear is there is no safe drug. Of all the drugs that, that people use, none of them are safe, 100% safe. Marijuana is not a safe drug. It is less dangerous than some other drugs, and the way we deal with it is less dangerous now that we've come to our senses and made it legal. But people to think, oh, okay, it's safe. I'm not going to get addicted. I'm not going to have a problem. You will possibly have a problem. You know, the best prevention of a drug addiction is never use a drug. But barring that, people have to understand that there are risks and problems with this drug, and you need to be safe and responsible and aware of what you're doing because people get in trouble with drugs often because they're just simply not aware of the way their patterns of behavior are changing okay mm -hmm. all right i think okay. i think we covered a lot there <laughs> we did yeah no thank you so much 
A big thanks to our special guest, Dennis Long, and a shout out to my awesome producer, Ryan Clark. You can find all of our episodes on FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com. And of course, subscribe to us on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You can rate us, review us, tell a friend, and you can always reach me on Twitter at Shauna City News. That's Shauna with a U. You know what else? Hashtag, I'm not a podhead. Talk soon. Next time on The Legal Podcast. And exhale. At the top of the next one, we'll start our ohms. We take you on a trip with the Ganja Yogis. Uh...